This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. Welcome again to everybody, and uh, especially your friends who are here. Maybe you were invited by one of our folks. We're just glad to have you. Great, great day. Uh, encouraging. I don't know about you, but it always encourages me. Um, that verse that said, when all around my soul gives way. And I thought about, man, there's so many times during the week my soul gives way. Just kind of like, you know, oh, man, I need to pick me up. And I come and gather with my family here uh, on Sundays. And, and uh, we talk about the Lord and sing his songs and hear his word. And it really, really is what we need. So thanks for being here this morning. We have a, we did Operation Backpack a couple weeks ago, just to let you know another outreach event that's happening this week on Tuesday, September the 11th. We're doing our annual Patriot Day lunch where we um, host a lunch buffet for all of our firefighters and police officers, uh, EMS personnel here in Dare County. They're all welcome to come. And our restaurants in town, we recruit them and bring them in, and they provide all the food, and we just show them a, a time of appreciation. So be praying for that. That is this Tuesday from noon until 2. And we're, we're grateful to do that and excited about what the, the, the opportunity to show those men and women how, how glad we are for who they are and what they do, especially on that day. One of the uh, trends of social media, how many of you are involved in social media? Raise your hand. Some of you say, I don't know what that means. All right, how many of you do Facebook? All right, there you go. You do social media. Uh, and, you know, all those other different things. Well, one, of the, one of the trends, if you, if you do that and you hear about it, one of the trends in social media is to post pictures. You know, and a lot of people do that. Some of us are more apt to be posting pictures than other, other folks are, but you see a lot of pictures that pop up of different things. You'll see pictures, for example, of what happened today uh, on our church's Facebook page. We're going to show pictures of the baptism and, and the, the parent-child dedications we had at 9 o'clock. We'll put those up so that you can see them. Um, but, you, you know, a lot of people, uh, for example, are, if you look at the pages of our newest parents, I said in the last gathering, we've had a bumper crop of babies uh, this past summer at Nags Head Church. I think we had four newborns, and uh, three of them were here in this gathering, and uh, in the last gathering. And, uh, you know, parents put the pictures up of newborns, just like, you know, we always have, and showing pictures off of our babies. And uh, you'll see a lot of t- pictures of, uh, of that people post on Facebook of babies, you know. They want you to know how, they want you to know how cute their babies Baby is and and uh, <laughs> don't mess with that kid. They want everybody to see the cutest baby in the world. And if that's anybody's baby here present, we love your child. Despite um, you know, the, and then there are other people like like my brother Andy. He Andy, if you see his Facebook page, Andy likes to post pictures of what he's about to eat. And so you'll see lots of. Uh, having a little snack for breakfast this morning. And uh, so Andy's always posting pictures of food. And you can tell, you look at Andy and you can tell this is part of, a major part of his life is what he eats. So, um, you know, we like pictures. And the reason that we, you know, pictures through our eyes, they imprint an image onto the, if you will, the, the photo paper or the computer screen of our minds that makes it easier to remember and to recall. Another trend is to post a picture of something old 
and ask if anybody remembers what, what it was. And we see a lot of this kind of stuff these days. If you're old enough to remember what this is, click like, you know. And, uh, you know, some of the young people are going, I don't have a clue. You don't know what that is, do you, Rachel? Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a washing machine, okay? And, uh, and, and, and here's, here's what's happening with all these pictures of that kind of stuff. I figured it out. It's old folks who are putting that kind of stuff up there to keep their kids and young people in the dark on Facebook. We're going to show them. We've taken over. So today, this morning, you're going to see a picture, but it's not going to be on the screen. It's not going to be printed, you know, on five by seven. It's a picture that will be portrayed live and in front of us as uh, we have four new believers in Jesus Christ. Some of them are not so new, but they're following this step of making their faith public to the rest of us. And for us as a church, uh, baptism is always a time of, of celebration. So, uh, you know, if you're a guest here today, and, and a lot of times we have guests that come from churches that are a little bit more sedate, you know, and how they worship the Lord a little bit quieter. Don't be surprised if the place erupts in applause and maybe there, we even sometimes get cheering and whistling going on. It's a time, a happy time for us. So don't be surprised if that happens. What I want to do today, we're in Colossians and we're, for our guests, we are doing a series in the book of Colossians that we started. Uh, this is our sixth Sunday in it. So, but I'm going to jump ahead, get out of chapter one where we've been and jump up to just one verse in chapter two because it ties in with where we are today and the picture that we're going to see. So if you want to take a look at Colossians chapter two, verse 12, Paul wrote to this Colossian church these words, having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. It says there, you've been buried with him in baptism. You've been raised. Paul says to these believers in this first century church in the Asia Minor city of Colossae, you've been buried, you've been raised from the dead. And he relates that burial and that resurrection to baptism. Knowing we always have a number of guests with us every Sunday, and, and, uh, and, and there's always the possibility that someone's here today and, and you don't have a relationship yet with Christ as your Savior, or, or maybe you have never been to church or it's been many, many years. Uh, maybe you know, these words, what do they mean? I want to use Paul's words to explain this picture that we're going to see today in just a few minutes. If you've taken notes, jot this down. First thing is this. Baptism is an outward confession of an inward transformation. It's an outward confession. It's a public thing. It's so other people see, other people witness, an outward confession of an inward transformation. It pictures a transformation that has taken place, Paul says, from death to life in the image of a burial and a resurrection. Now, let me try to explain what that means. Paul says this, and, and here's the next point for you. Baptism is identification with Christ. Identification with Christ. Notice he said in that passage, in that verse, he said, we are buried for him in baptism. Did he say that? No, he said, we are buried how? With him in baptism, we identify with Jesus Christ in our baptism. Our old selves, who we were before we knew Jesus, still love living under the guilt of our sin. He said that person was buried with Jesus. And it's done so, we illustrate it by baptism. 
Uh, and before my family came to this church, we, uh, we lived for a couple of years in the country. And uh, that was exciting. Some of you grew up in the country. Uh, Gail did not. I lived in the country as a young boy. Uh, but Gail grew up in the city. And so it was kind of like Green Acres is the place for me. You know, she was excited to, to live the country life. And we lived out on a, what had been a farm. And there was plenty of land. And she wanted to have a big garden. We planted a garden one summer. We had 92 or 96 tomato plants. We had like four rows of corn. We went whole hog into this garden. Our, you know, our kids were out peddling tomatoes. And not only did we, did we do the garden, but we also decided, let's raise chickens. And so we bought, you know, you do the mail order thing and they send you a box of baby chicks comes in the mail. You lift up the lid and you got 50 baby chickens in there and or something like that. And so we, we raised chickens. We, and so we had eggs and, uh, and it was a great time and it was a fun time and our kids were little and they sold eggs and, you know, we, 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 uh, we believe in a work ethic in our family and said, if you want to have some money, you're going to earn it. And so they, they peddled, uh, sold eggs and tomatoes and everything else. And we had a great time. While we lived out there, we also had, being the country folks that we were, we had a black lab dog. And that black lab dog, as sweet as she was, the, you know, the, here, there was a problem with the dog and the chickens. Because the, you know, the black lab, Labrador retrievers, I mean, they're bred to see the bird go get the bird. You know, that's what's what inbred with them. And so she did not mix well with the chicken. So we tried to keep her out of the backyard that was fenced in where the chicken coop was, but sometimes, somehow, she'd get back there. And I remember one day looking out in the yard, and there's this black lab dog of ours running around the yard, playing fun, having a great time with great joy in her heart, slinging around a dead chicken. And so, oh man. So, you know, and, and I'm not so country that I'm into roadkill or anything like that. So, I, you know, I, I, what do we do with this chicken? I, I got a shovel and I went out and I dug a hole about two feet deep and buried the chicken and covered it back up. Done with that. Well, the next day, I look out in the yard and guess what I see? I see my black lab out there just playing around and throwing the chicken up in the air. She has gone back to the hole where I buried the chicken and dug it out and fished that chicken out, and she's having a great time now with a one-day-old dead chicken. You know what I mean? I mean it's, it's, and, and it was pretty disgusting, you know, and I thought, how nasty. And, you know, I don't get near the dog. She's stinking and everything else. You know, you know we're not dogs. We know better than to dig up something or someone that's died and is buried because we know that's not pleasant. It's not going to be what it was when it was alive. It needs to remain buried. It needs to be done because it's dead. You don't want to see it again in that condition. And I don't want to see that chicken again. You know, when you put your faith in Christ who bore your sin on the cross. The Bible says that your sin, it was put on him on the cross and then it was buried with him in the grave. Out of sight. Gone. Past. Forgiven. Put away, church, for how long? Somebody tell me. Forever. Buried and gone forever. We are buried with him, we identify with Christ. Paul says there's a second way we identify with Christ. We are raised with him. Raised with him. 
We spent last Sunday talking about the gospel back in chapter 1, and, and we went to Paul's passage, the great passage that defines the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul says, here's what the gospel is, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, but it doesn't stop there, does it? The next part of the gospel says, and that he was resurrected, that he was raised again according to the scriptures on the third day. Jesus didn't remain dead and in the grave. He rose from the dead. He came back to life. And let me say to our young people, this is another trend, the thing young people are into. I don't get it because I think it's a little bit eerie, but they're, you know, about it. And I, because I heard, I heard recently, maybe it was back around Easter time, somebody that was very critical of Christianity, critical of what Christians believe, critical of Christ, did not like all that, talking about Jesus. The Christians today on Easter Sunday are celebrating a zombie as if that's who Jesus is. Got it all wrong. He came back to real life, new life, not a dead person walking. He was an alive person walking and back to life. But when he walked out of the grave, guess what? With new life, he did not drag out of that grave your sin. It didn't come out of the grave with him. It remained. It was gone. It was buried. It was passed. It was forgiven. And you were given, the Bible says, when you put your faith in him, a new life, you became, Paul said, a new creation. You were given, Jesus told Nicodemus, a new birth. It's a new life. Paul told the Roman church in Romans chapter 6 that baptism pictures being, quote, buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk, how church? In a new way of life. A new way of life. Here's what that tells us. A genuine faith in Christ results in a new way of living. The old things, Paul said, when he said we're new creations in Christ, what did he say about the old things? They're past. They're gone. When he gives us this new life, it's all in the past. It's all forgiven. And God expects us to walk in a new life. Remember what Jesus said to the woman who was brought to him and had been caught in adultery. Remember his words to her when he told her to go, you're free to go. He said, I don't condemn you. Condemn you. And, and he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and do what? Sin no more. Don't go back to that lifestyle. I freed you from that. I've made you new. Don't think for a moment that faith in Christ is about joining a church or become a, becoming a member of another social organization where, well, if I donate a little bit, if I serve a little bit, but I cannot see any life change. There, there's got to be this change of life. He came to make us new. And these folks this morning who are being baptized are saying this. Here's what they're saying. I identify with Christ. And I identify with Christ's body, the church. And my life has been forever changed because of him. They're saying, I tried the old way of living. And some for many, many years. I tried the old way of living and found out you know, my own desires, my own sinful desires. I tried that. It did not work. It still, there was still emptiness in my life and I've come to believe in Jesus and now I belong to him and I am new and I am free. That's what they're saying today. Here's an example. One of them wrote this to us about what's happened 
in his life. He said, he said, I've had to make some choices since this experience, this experience of coming to know Jesus. I've had some past due bills in the past where I was just letting go of and waiting for the seven years to go by and they would not show up on my credit report any longer. But look, here's a change. He said, I have now contacted all of these and made arrangements to pay these off and hope to have them all paid by next year this time. There's a life that's changed, isn't it? You know, I'm going to get these things taken care of in my life. And that's exciting. Now, baptism, a couple things about baptism. Let me explain a few things about it. Uh, One thing major I want to say about it, and that is this. Always in the Bible, baptism is seen as an action that follows faith. It never precedes it, never comes before. It always comes after belief. For example, on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 41, 3,000. So those who accepted his message, Peter preaches this gospel message, they were baptized, and that day about 3,000 were added to them, to the 120 in the church. Now there's a church of 3,120. That's amazing growth. 3,000 that day believed, and then they were baptized. In Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian treasurer, as they were traveling, he and Philip, traveling down the road, Philip stopped, met him, starts telling him about Jesus. They're traveling down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What would keep me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, the very first Gentile believer in his family, Peter went to them and shared the gospel of Jesus with them, and they believed. And then Peter asked the question, I mean, this is the first time Gentiles have have done this. Peter said, can anyone withhold water and prevent these from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Nobody said no, of course. And so he said, Okay, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I find it interesting how, how uh, interesting this is, the, the wording there. Philip didn't say, now would you like to be baptized? It doesn't say he did that. He said he did what? Commanded them. Here's what you must do. Jesus commanded us as Christians to follow him in the initial step of discipleship in our lives as believers is baptism. He didn't say, uh, when you feel like you get baptized, he said, hey, this is what you need to do. Let's do it now. And they baptized him. Interesting. The Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16. This man, Paul and Silas, were arrested for preaching the gospel and, and they were beaten and they were in chains and they began to sing songs in, in the jail. And, and at midnight, God sent an earthquake, broke the chains loose and the jailer saw his prisoners about to escape and thought he was going to, he was going to be killed for that escape. And so he... He was getting ready to commit suicide. He drew out his sword, it said, getting ready to kill himself. And they looked up and saw that and said, no, no, don't, don't do that. What do I do to be saved, he asked them. Look at this passage. Then he escorted them out, Paul and Silas, and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the message of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. They went back to his house and told his family. Here's about Jesus. Let me tell you about the gospel. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. 
All of these instances in the New Testament, baptism always follows faith. Now, what you're going to see this morning is you're going to see a couple men and a a lady and a young person who have at some time previously in their lives, some of them it's been years, some of them it's been just weeks, months at the most, when they traded in their old lives for new life in Christ, and they're going to, by their baptism today, they're announcing that trade to us so we can see it, we can realize, we can celebrate with them that they are obediently following Christ Jesus' command to be baptized. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.